All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Navani, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In today's episode, we'll be talking NFL football and breaking down real games that happen on schedule in week one. And talking about some of the biggest action while also looking ahead to week two, uh, based on some of the things that we saw on the field this past Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. We'll also be talking NBA basketball. Conference finals are set underway. We have the Boston Celtics going up against the Miami Heat in the East. And not quite the Battle of Los Angeles in the West as the Denver Nuggets upset the Clippers. They'll be going up against the Lakers. We'll talk everything that's kind of gone down in the past few days to get us to that point and where we expect those teams to go from here. Finally, we have the top five once again. It's been four months, but it is long overdue. I know everyone's very excited for that. And yesterday was my birthday, at least at the time of recording, Tuesday, September 15th. Uh, So we, uh, you know, in honor of that, we'll be breaking down our uh, top five celebrities and historical figures that share a birthday with us. Uh, So that should be a really fun way to close out this episode. So with that, let's get to it. All right, Brian. Uh, there were a lot of questions and concerns. It's been a, a long off season, longer than normal, but we did it. We got through a full weekend of NFL football, and I mean, it, regardless of anything that happened on the field, like obviously both our teams won. It makes it even better. You got to be happy about that. Yeah, uh, it wasn't the most exciting week of football ever, but I don't really care. I'm just glad that football is back. Yeah, so big, big uh, returns from injury for uh, our quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, as Patriots and Steelers start out 1-0, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about the big Saints, Bucks, Brady, Breeze showdown, some of the other uh, bigger matchups throughout the league, and some other teams that, you know, despite everything that happened in this past year, 2020, looks like it might not be any different than uh, what we've come used to. But before we get into any of that, uh, so real quickly... So this is um, our 61st episode of He's Done It, you know, going all the way back to the Ben and Corey podcast days, you know, before you were even regularly on the show. Uh, So we've done 60 episodes in the past. And of our 60 episodes, uh, we average about 62 listeners per episode, or at least of the the previous 59, 62 listeners. Uh, We've had some episodes where we've gone over 100. We have had others where it's a struggle just to get to like 20, 25. So our most recent episode was our 2020 NFL season preview episode. If you had to take a guess, how many listeners do you think we're at right now? 50. (laughs) 400. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So 400 
unique people in counting have already heard all of our week one, you know, NFL season preview predictions and everything. So whatever takes we had, we get to stick with them because <laughs> that's uh, nobody knows them any better than, uh, you know, the, those 400 listeners. It's fresh in their mind. I don't know if that's good or not because there are a few takes that I really want to take yeah, back. There, after, some even though like, it's just, I, even though it's just week one, I I, I had a few bad bad takes. Yeah, it's, I know already already trying to jump ship on some of them. I feel the same way, but uh, hey, you know that that's that's what happens. You can get big in this industry. You get lots of lots of people who are are going to come criticizing us. Uh, so, but you know, let, let's let's get into it. NFL Week One recap, and uh, let's start off with the big game of the week, America's game of the week on Fox, and that was the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you had. Uh, two 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks starting with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Neither of them looked all that great. Saints ended up winning 34-23. to What are your instant reactions, uh, especially about your uh, your old old friend Tom Brady? Yeah, Tom Brady didn't have the absolute best game of his, of his career, but it's week one. They played uh, the New Orleans Saints, one of the best teams in the in the National Football League, and uh, I expect better things from the Bucs. I'm higher than – I'm not as high on – as Ben on the Bucks, uh, as he is, but I'm higher than you on the Bucks. I still think they're a playoff team. Uh, I think they're a wild card team, but still, they're a playoff team in my opinion. Uh, but one thing, one big takeaway from this game for me is that coaching is really, really important. It's pro- it's more important in the NFL than any other sport, and we saw that uh, in this past game where on especially on the defensive side of the ball for the Buccaneers, they committed a lot of stupid penalties that gave gave away points for the Saints. And then we also saw on offense where uh, Tom Brady tried to throw to uh, Mike Evans and he, there were, he committed a couple of turnovers and Bruce Arians called him out for a couple of those turnovers. Now, I think the second interception was his fault, the one that went for a pick six. But the first one, I thought that was all Mike on Mike Evans, but Bruce Arians didn't think so, and I don't, I don't love that. I mean, it's cool that he called him out, where he's man enough to stand up to Tom Brady and say, uh, and, and criticize him after one week. But at the same time, it's like this is Tom Brady. He's won six Super Bowls, and he's made all these accomplishments. And he came to you. He came to the Bucks of all teams. And like, what has Bruce Arians done in his career? He's He's taken over a Tampa Bay team that's just been crap ever since he's been there. And in the past, yes, he was with Indianapolis and Arizona, but he only has one playoff win to show for it all. Show for it all. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's the coaching, the coach quarterback connection is absolutely perfect. And I, I wonder if there's going to be friction uh, as the years goes on, and if, and then also, like I said before, with the penalties, if, if that's going to continue or not. Yeah, trouble in paradise already for uh for Brady with Bruce Arians. I mean, you you talked about it, him just calling him out after the game. I, I think with that that first interception, there was definitely miscommunication between him and Mike Evans. It was one of those things where Evans was. It seemed like he was supposed to go where Brady threw the ball, but Evans tried to read that differently, say, "Hey, this isn't gonna work." And it was one of those throws where, like, yeah, I mean, Brady, this isn't a good pass anyway. So I I don't necessarily blame Bruce Arians for kind of having those thoughts right away. After after week one, calling him out, saying, you know, those interceptions were on him. He needs to be grittier, all this stuff. 
I just find it hilarious, though, because you get all these talks about Brady and Belichick and like their relationship deteriorating. You know, Brady was never named Patriot of the Week, all that stuff over the past few years. And then he goes to Tampa. It's supposed to be like this country club lifestyle. You know, Bruce Arians just going to sit there, drink beers in the, the parking lot before and after the game, just chill in his, uh, you know, his, his fun little, uh, you know, whatever. 1930s golfer hat thing he wears is called and uh right away it's already hey tom you, you got to be better than that like you, you need to you need to be greedier like you can't can't uh just blame your teammates for for all this stuff right away so yeah not not a great start to the tom brady era in tampa it was against the saints who i i said going into the season they were my super bowl pick but honestly, after watching this game, in spite of what happened with Tom Brady doing his best Matt Schaub impersonation with his third straight pick six and New Orleans coming out on top, I feel like the Bucks' offense looked better, more promising than the Saints' offense did. Better than the Saints? Yeah. I mean, like the Saints, they scored more points. Yeah. I mean, Janoris Jenkins had that pick six, so it's not quite as large of a gap as you think, but... I mean, at least when I focus on Drew Brees versus Brady, Brees had the fewest yards per attempt of any quarterback in the league. It was 18 for 30 for 160 yards. Yeah, he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't make mistakes. But this is a Saints offense that over the past few years, we've been kind of used to them being able to throw the ball downfield. Brees is always this guy putting up record yardage stats. And coming out of the gate, he completes his first eight passes. We only go for 43 yards. He throws a touchdown to Alvin he, Kamara, he, but he it's is a also, pass. Like, he is also in the last year of his career, at least we assume I know, so. but it's just like Brees, it almost feels like he's the new Tom Brady, where the, like they're just going to have this offense where he's just throwing the ball at the line of scrimmage every time and letting his, his receivers run with it. And I don't know if that's going to be a sustainable offense in New Orleans. That's not really something that we're used to with Breeze just being this big, like, check down, short yardage guy. Um, I don't know if it's just the first game. You know, they, there wasn't a, a lot of preseason, uh, you know, training camp and stuff, and just trying to, you know, get get acclimated, you know, get get up to speed. But it it was not an offense that I was expecting from New Orleans, and I'm I'm really curious to see where they go from here. So, <laughs> you know, all, all that being said, though, um, I don't necessarily have differing thoughts on Tampa. I think that my expectations were low enough that everyone else is trying to adjust theirs after this. New Orleans, I'm not going to totally jump off my Super Bowl prediction for them. Like it, like I said, we had a ton of people listen to that episode. Like I have to stick to these for at least a little while longer. So um, I, I've picked the Saints to either be in the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl for... At least I think three or four years now, so I'm I'm just done with it, and I'm st- I still think they'll be great. I still think they'll win the division. I still think they'll make the playoffs. I just expect the some sort of choke to happen once they make the playoffs. You know that's that's been the story, but I feel like one of these years it just has to go differently. Uh, but I mean, if, if this is really I mean, I'm, I mean, year, I'm picking the, the chance. <laughs> I'm picking the Cowboys, a team hey, that chokes more than you know. Any, you know, we'll, a team we'll, that hasn't a team that hasn't made the NFC Championship game and are. In our lifetime, is that true? Or yeah, I mean, well, nineteen ninety five. Oh, okay, so you know, when we were, we born. might have been one or born or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into the Cowboys, but uh, for now, let's move on to our our next um, big matchup, and I think this is an interesting one for us. the The Green Bay Packers winning a, a shootout over the Minnesota Vikings, forty three to thirty four. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's looking really good after that first week and I did not 
see that coming from him. Um, you know, I said that the Packers would miss the playoffs. Rodgers would struggle. I got to stick to that, say that this is game one is going to be the best game of the season for Aaron Rodgers. But I think it's fair to kind of say, hey, is this going to be like a Tom Brady 2014 situation when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo? I know that's something you've referenced in the past. This, this is something that I've said multiple times uh, on multiple episodes that I think the Jordan Love pick, yeah, it wasn't a great one to be. Well, you liked the pick a lot. I do. Yeah. I personally was like, ah, not really. Uh, I wish they, or will not wish since I'm not a Packers fan, but if I were one, I wish I would have wished that they took receivers, but they didn't. And but I I said multiple times in the past that hey, maybe this Jordan Love pick can be just like in 2014 with the Patriots when the Patriots took Jimmy Garoppolo, and that motivated Brady to become even better and he eventually went on to win the Super Bowl that year and I don't think again I don't think that's a huge coincidence I think I think that really motivated him to stay the quarterback and then years later still stay the quarterback and actually to the point where Jimmy was gone and on a different team and I think Rodgers approached that is having that same approach where he sees that there's gonna be eventually a new guy and he doesn't want to give up that spot, and he wants to prove that he can still be the quarterback for the Packers. Yeah, I mean, all offseason, there were talks of how long is Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? You know, is it only a matter of time before he's gone? Is he going to go play for the Bears? Like, where should Aaron Rodgers go after uh, Green Bay moves on from him and goes to Jordan Love? But 32 for 44, 364 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions in his season debut. You know, it, it doesn't seem like he's ready to to, you know, move on from Green Bay and just continue his descent because he hasn't looked great the past few seasons. And this very much could be an Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. And, uh, you know, we talked about not having receivers. He has Devontae Adams, 14 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. He's going to be a, a big enough difference maker for this team. They're going to need other guys to step up. Um, I, th- I, I think Alan Lazard could be a really good uh number two wide receiver on that team. Yes, it's a dro- a giant drop-off from Adams to the next guy, but Lazard did show in moments last year that Rodgers can trust him. He even, uh, Rodgers spoke very highly of him, especially after, I think it was a game against the Lions on a primetime game where uh, I think it was Geronimo Allison who got hurt and then Lazard came in and stepped up and Rodgers just, just only spoke of, of good things about him and how hard he was wor- working uh, during practices, and I think that's someone that Rodgers can trust, and I think he's good enough to be a second receiver on their team. Yeah, Lazard and Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling both had really solid performances for, for the Packers in Week 1. Uh, they're going to need those guys to step up because we said they, they didn't really add weapons. The only guy, Devin Funchess, that they signed opted out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a great start for Green Bay. On the flip side, the Vikings. Now, I don't think I explicitly said it, but they were my preseason pick to win the NFC North. Um, you know, I can't jump after just one game, but another one, not not looking great on the flip side. Like, they, they were kind of doing the same offense they did. I, I, you remember week one against the Falcons last year? Kirk Cousins was like 
eight for ten in the whole game for I don't know hundred something yards. They won that one. They won that, yeah. Yeah, but I, this I one, I, I mean, that. they kind of started out that way. He only threw three passes in the first like twenty five minutes. Eventually, you know, they realized, oh, we got to score points. So he wound up throwing the ball a little more, which was was good for me from a fantasy perspective because yo, he's he's two he's one of the best in gar- I started. He's him. one of the best in garbage time. Yeah, and it, he was able to do that. I mean it. It it didn't really occur to me though how big of a loss Stephon Diggs was for them. I mean, no, they I, still have Adam I, Thielen, but th- this was a. I I think that's going to be a huge loss throughout the season, and I don't. I'm not super high in the Vikings this year, like solely because of that. I just think having, uh, I, even though yes, I, we just talked about the Packers having only one elite receiver. I I just I think it's a little bit different for the Vikings because I'm feeling's not Devontae Adams. And yeah, I mean they're gonna have to rely on the ground game for sure. Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison both had fifty yards rushing. You know, if you run for a hundred yards total, then that's gonna be okay. But I just I think that's how Minnesota's offense is going to have to run. And on the flip side, another thing that I hadn't thought about, you know, in addition to the loss of Stephon Diggs, because Xavier Rhodes was cut and Trey Wayne's signed with the Bengals in free agency, the oldest Vikings corner is like 24 years old, only three years experience in the league. And, uh, you know, I, I just I don't know if they're going to be able to win without any kind of veteran presence there. It's going to be a hard time stopping guys like Devontae Adams, who've been doing it for so long that you see with his 14 catch game. So yeah, and doesn't it also doesn't help that they lost Everson Griffin? Now they they picked yes. up Ngakwe from if I pronounce that correctly yeah, from the Jags. Yeah, yeah, from the Jags. But I mean, it's just their defense is not going to be as good as past years. I I was. Thinking that in the Gokwe, like that trade is like that is a big move for Minnesota. They replaced Everson Griffin with this young, great guy. <laughs> he didn't have a tackle in his first game. Oh, so that's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. He was not not really involved in that one. Minnesota, they had zero sacks, only two tackles for a loss. Was, the, the Packers offense was able to basically do whatever they want, as you can see with their 43 points on the scoreboard. So, you know. I'm not going to jump ship just yet. I'm going to say this is Rodgers' best game. They're going to fall off from here. But if I'm wrong, I mean, my backup prediction for Green Bay was, like you said, with you know, the whole Brady thing, that Rodgers just wills them to a Super Bowl win. So, you know, I didn't I didn't come out and say that. But just know if it happens, I was kind of thinking it and almost almost told you that. So, all right. I mean, let's, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, let's, let's talk about your Patriots, though, because, you know, Tom Brady – Goes to Tampa. He doesn't look all that great in his debut. Guess who did? Cam Newton. I mean, can you imagine paying Brady $25 million a year when you could pay Cam Newton seven and a half with incentives and have a better football team? Because uh, Patriots, he looked real solid in his his week one debut and victory. Yeah, he looked great running the ball. And I'm sure Belichick was just loving everything that happened the first week with good quarterback play from Cam Newton great defense and then Tom Brady sucking in his debut. So I'm I'm sure Bill Belichick was having the time of his life in week 1. Now, the thing with Cam Newton, I don't expect him to run 15 times a game, so I don't think that's very sustainable especially at this point in his career. And another thing is they beat the Dolphins. I mean, we're talking about how like Brady was like not so great, but he played the Saints, the Cam Newton play and the Patriots, they played the Dolphins. Like they that's not I think a bigger a bigger test will be next week when they face the Seahawks but in week two. But otherwise, it was a good performance from 
Uh, the defense, for especially, I mean, yes, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he threw three interceptions. You're but saying all this as yes, it's Fitzpatrick, yes, it's the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat him last they year. They did beat him in week 17, a, yeah, a week where the last they, time they played in Foxborough as well. Like a week where the Patriots should have been motivated, and the Dolphins, like, they're playing what for a 5 and 11 record? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it. it I, I honestly, like, I thought that the Patriots would win this one, but I know the Dolphins were a popular pick because of that, you know, questions what Cam Newton's going to look like in this offense. You know, the Dolphins added a lot of key pieces. They, in their running back room, they upgraded by pulling in um, Matt Breida, trading with San Francisco, and signing Jordan Howard. They added a lot of solid pieces on defense, and the Patriots' defense, yeah, they had a few guys opt out. They still picked off Ryan Fitzpatrick three times. They, they still were able to do everything they needed where this game it never really felt like Miami was oh this this is it like they they're, they're going to pull it out where you had that last year when these two teams played so i mean to me 21 to 11 against the dolphins yeah that's nothing that you're going to be like this is a super bowl contending team but i think it's a solid start and seattle it's going to be a bigger test you know it's going to be tough having to go on the road travel all out west like that that 70 decibel fake crowd is going to be just a little extra loud <laughs> in central link field but uh yeah i mean it i i i would be happy about um the the performance just seeing cam newton play well you know he 75 yards on the ground i know is on 15 rushes and that's probably not going to be sustainable for him at this point given his injury history uh but 15 for 19 passing that's pretty good i know it's only 155 yards but if he's gonna get the ball to the receivers and it feels like it's it's only a matter of time before that those passing numbers uh improve even more my cons- one of my concerns is that the, the, the cam newton didn't really th- get to throw to anyone because the Patriots don't have anyone to throw to julian edelman and Nikhil harry had i think almost all the catches not all yeah, of them they, well they had 10 of 15 yeah 10 of 15 yeah and Nikhil Harry, uh I, I, I mean, he had that horrible fumble into the end zone. I'm not sure if you saw or heard about yeah. that. Oh yeah, it's yeah. my my least favorite rule in all of football. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, but still, like that, you can't fumble it there at the near the goal line like that. And I'm I'm not very high on Nikhil Harry, uh, especially after that first game and just seeing all the guys that went. Uh, behind him in the second round including a guy that we'll see in week two versus Seattle and DK Metcalf I just there's so many guys that went after Nikhil Harry that they could have gotten and didn't and I'm not very high on uh Nikhil Harry this season and and beyond do you think the Patriots are going to trade for Allen Robinson oh I would I mean is there a guy in the league that's had worse quarterback play than Allen Robinson he had Blake Bortles and now Mitch Trubisky and just if he can have, if he had Cam Newton, it's. I mean, Cam Newton at this point in his career is not amazing or elite or anything, but it'd be the best quarterback he's ever yeah. had in his career. And Allen Robinson definitely wants out. I would. He's not. The he most said ex- he's not he's demanding not the, a trade. He, yeah, but he, he wants definitely, money. He if wa- the Bears give out. him an extension, he wants money. So if if the Bears will pay him, then he's not leaving Chicago. But if the Bears aren't going to pay him, which like he's which been I don't, so good, like I don't know why they wouldn't. So, but like, if they're not going to, and then you know that that trade could potentially happen. I it, I think that there's a number of teams he could go to. New England does feel like there's a need for a receiver. He's no. not an absolute game changer, game changing receiver, but he's definitely very solid, very solid receiver that I would definitely would take on the page. He'd be their best receiver, either him or Edelman. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Patriots keep winning, then I, I think that Bill Belichick would look to improve that receiving core if it, it continues to you know win in spite of them. Um, so that's something to watch for. But uh, you know, let, let, let's move on and uh, let's talk about the Steelers. And you know, I think that this game went just about how I expected. So Monday Night Football against the New York Giants, Ben Roethlisberger first game back after major elbow surgery, and even when he wasn't coming off like an extra long off season coming off an injury he'd always start off slow to start the season uh and you know it, it, he had that for the first i don't know fifth plus more than 15 minutes in the whole first quarter a little in the second quarter he was struggling out of the gate but then he he kind of got into his rhythm and you know he he connected with uh eric ebron juju smith schuster and uh, James Washington with a big touchdown late in the first half, and there you go. The Steelers were able to to pull out this victory. The defense looked really good at times. They had some bad moments, but holding Saquon Barkley to six yards rushing like that that that's incredible. I don't care wh- how bad the Giants are a team. Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs in football, so that that's going to be a huge takeaway. My prediction was Steelers twenty three to thirteen. It was twenty six to sixteen. I'll give myself a victory for that one. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like a situation with the Patriots where they win a game against a team that you probably think they should beat, but they look pretty decently doing it. So you got to be optimistic moving forward. Yeah, that game basically went I went what I expected to, except the Saquon Barkley six rushing. Yeah, yards. that part I did I, not expect that. I mean, I don't I, I know the, the Steelers defense is good, but Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in the league and only gets six rushing yards first them. That's that's impressive. And. And then, yeah, on offense, Ben looked, he definitely looks super slow in the pocket. I don't know if it's because he's old or if it's just been a while since I've seen him, but he definitely <laughs> looks really slow when he's when he was in the pocket and got sacked a few times. And He's not beating too many pass rushes in races, like I'll, no. I'll tell you that, but he still outrushed Saquon Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, I, their offense looked, it wasn't amazing, especially since they played the Giants, but it looked pretty good. Juju Smith's Schuster, I'm, I'm sure he's really glad that Big Ben's back yeah. since he wa- oh, it was, was it not very good debut for him. Yeah, he was not very good last year, but for obvious reasons. Uh, and then yeah, James Washington had that really nice touchdown where he fought for the end zone. And Chase Claypool, he had a few catches. He looks pretty yeah, good. His first catch that was an awesome catch, just up on on yeah, the sideline, no. like a great throw from Ben. And like the fact that he had that trust in a rookie like that. I mean that. Chase Claypool has gotten a lot of great reviews from his uh, his training camp performance, and he definitely impressed in, in limited action in week one. Yeah, and obviously being a Patriots fan, I'm not a fan of the Steelers whatsoever. Yeah, but I mean, it's vice versa. But, but. but I got – yeah, exactly, vice versa. But I got to say, I'm super jealous of how good the Steelers are at drafting receivers. It's, it is, I, it's I, incredible. And, and how bad the Patriots are <laughs> yeah. at drafting receivers. I mean, yeah. can we can we hire whoever runs that department to come to New England? Because it would, I would really enjoy it. Yeah, it is incredible how the Steelers like rarely miss with receivers. Like, I, I was not a huge fan of the Chase Claypool pick. I wanted them to go with a running back, um, and right now I kind of feel crazy for for not being happy about that draft pick because he, he's definitely shined. So I'm excited to see what uh, Mapletron can continue to do. Um, now, one thing I do want to talk to you about in terms of the Steelers is James Conner. And 
Oh, you, you, I know you drafted him in okay, our fantasy so league last way year, higher than he should. Last have gone. year was a mistake. I'll admit it. But this year, I really thought that getting him where I got him was was value. I really, I really did like this pick, and I'm sure you and but other people in our league. We're saying like, oh, he's injury prone and yeah, all I, this and and like yes, but I, I didn't think it'd be the first game, first quarter of the first game where he gets yeah. hurt. And once that happened, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm out. I'm he's, out. He is I'm, such I'm not, a talented player, and it's a shame. It's like especially with his whole story that he can't stay healthy. But you know, the flip side, Benny Snell comes in and he runs for 113 yards. So that's I love that. Like. No, he looked good. Yeah, but James Carter, even <laughs> before he got hurt, I don't know if he got yeah. hurt on the first play or when he no, walked was on the, the second field, quarter. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but six carries, nine yards, and gets hurt. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for helping my team, even though I was losing my 50 points anyway. Yeah, it he re- mattered. But, yeah. Like, he recovered a big fumble early on when <laughs> Ben just had to throw it behind him. Connor's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's it's disappointing seeing that. You know, hopefully he can he can come back, find his health. And, I mean, the Steelers' offensive line was banged up, and Snell was still able to, to make the most of it. So I, I, I do think that if Connor can stay healthy, he can provide fantasy value and help out the Steelers. But it's it's been a rough two years for him very very unfortunate i i just know next year when we do another draft i'm gonna say to myself nope not take him i don't care what round no i'm not gonna take him and then all of a sudden he just goes off and he's the number one back (laughs) i'm just gonna lose it so and you know before we move on here i do want to spend some time talking about giants quarterback daniel jones because he looked really solid in that first game. Like the the Giants weren't able to move the ball on the ground. You would think against the Steelers, oh, there's no way that Daniel Jones is going to be able to have himself a game. And he did throw a couple picks, but he he was able to find guys wide open on a lot of a lot of plays. He led on <laughs> So that that ridiculous 19-yard drive where they're competing every third and fourth down try they do. <laughs> and then he just Bud Dupree is just like, all right, we're putting a stop to this. And he's just like, into the end zone. And it picked off by Cam Hayward. Uh, but I, I outside of that, that yeah, he, he was pretty solid in this first game. And I, I think that Daniel Jones is going to surprise a lot of people. I mean, he already looked really solid last year. And I know the Giants took a lot of criticism for taking him with the sixth overall pick. But, you know, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm hopeful that Daniel Jones can kind of continue at least along the path of Eli Manning, where like maybe he's not going to be a pro bowler every single year, but he can help this team win games and get back to where we were used to seeing the Giants, you know, five, 10 years ago. I think it's a good thing that he has some speed because if that was Eli in the pocket, he would <laughs> Eli would have been wrecked <laughs> by yeah. the Steelers lineman. Uh, and another thing, uh, their schedule, upcoming schedule after the this past week, they they faced the Bears, Niners, and Rams, which is not great for and the Cowboys Daniel, right after and that. and the Cowboys. Yeah, so it's not mm-hmm. great for Daniel Jones and the Giants at first, but I think he could have a good second half of the season. And yeah, I think there's some promise there. And I'll admit, I was one of the people that thought out of millions that didn't think that was a great pick. I don't know why they couldn't just trade down and maybe get him later, but they really liked him and. He hasn't been amazing, but there's definitely promise there. Yeah, I mean, would you rather have Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins at this point? I mean, Daniel Jones, but I, I, I honestly wonder if you switch teams with those two quarterbacks, I wonder 
what the story would be. Would it be Daniel Jones is carrying the Redskins and and Washington uh, football Haskins team. is not doing great in New York, or is it the same exact thing with with the quarterbacks? Where it does feel like Daniel Jones in New York and uh, Dwayne Haskins in Washington makes more sense, but I don't know. I mean, it, Haskins hasn't looked all that great to this point. I think that it's fair to say that Daniel Jones is is off to a a solid start to his career. You know, given everything that's going on and the, the team he plays for. So, all right. With that, let's uh, let's move on in kind of a special segment as we talk about more NFL games. And uh, we're saying same old, same old because you know, 2020 has obviously been a crazy year for so many different reasons. And it's it's fair to say that a lot of things that we've been accustomed to in our normal are no longer how they are. We are in a new normal. Yet for many. NFL teams, week one, you know, there's this hope that things are going to be different now, and it's same old, same old. So let's start off. How about them Cowboys? You know, Jason Garrett's gone. They drafted CeeDee Lamb. Like, this this offense is going to be amazing. Mike McCarthy's running the show. Cowboys, so many people love them. They're going to the Super Bowl, right, Brian? You bet. <laughs> 17 points in week one. At LA, they lose to the Rams in this you know, SoFi Stadium under the lights. They they just can't handle that kind of pressure. Just stupid decision going for it on fourth and three from the eleven yard line when they just need a field goal to tie it from Mike McCarthy. And you know, it's just you watch that. You're like Jason Garrett could have coached this game. Like, what, oh, what, what's that, the difference? Like, that, this is it with the that, Cowboys. That is my biggest takeaway from that game is that the coaching seemed a little similar. <laughs> It's like Mike. It's like Mike McCarthy didn't really gain any more offensive knowledge from his time off. No, from when, he, when he was fired from a couple of years ago with the Packers. It's just so frustrating with this team because, like, th- like that was it for me when I was I was just saying in my head the Cowboys they're going to be so good this year. Like, yeah, Cowboys is a Super Bowl that makes so much sense, and you just think about it and you're like, really though, like, and then for, to have them come out this first game, like, like I said last episode. They went eight and zero when scoring thirty plus, zero and eight when not coming close to that. And so they got to score thirty points then. <laughs> if if they give up twenty points, they should be able to beat anybody, right? Yeah. Like especially the Rams, who yeah, I know the Rams are are on the down since their Super Bowl loss, but they still have a really solid offense. <laughs> and for them to be able to hold them to twenty points and still lose, it's it's just so frustrating. Like looking at this team. No, I I share the same sentiment. I mean, like they weren't horrible, but. They should have. They still should have won that game. Yeah, and it's like I still think that the Cowboys are going to be a good another, team this year. Another thing that really hurts is that they also lost Landon uh, Van Der Esch for yeah, a couple months did, but for that collarbone injury. Alden Smith and um, Everson Griffin, their first game. I mean, Smith's first game in five years. Both of their first games with the Cowboys, and you know, for this kind of season, you wouldn't expect the new pieces to shine right away. But they both look really good. Like the, the the Cowboys, it seems like they're gonna have a really solid defense with those guys, and they, I mean the the fact that they held them to twenty points and lost, it's just it, it's just so frustrating seeing that, and you know you know what's gonna happen next week when they host the Falcons, right? They're gonna win like forty one to twenty four, just like the yeah, Cowboys offense be rolling, and everyone's, everyone's be back, back on them. 
everyone's gonna be back on the bandwagon including yep. myself yeah yeah, I, I know and then they're gonna go to seattle week three like riding high and they're gonna lose 23 to 14 it's just gonna be like here we go again that's that's the story of this team and then they play four in a row against the browns giants cardinals at home and then at washington they'll probably win all four of those games look electric and they'll be five and two heading into their bye and all of a sudden yep cowboy suit roll back on and we're gonna be like oh yeah no, we, we, we know how they do against these star-studded teams, and especially going on the road, their offense, like, I don't care if there's no fans, it's the same exact thing with this team. And, yeah, uh, you know, that, that Super Bowl pick, I'm, I'm, I'm not loving it. I didn't love it coming into the season for I'm sticking with reasons. it. <laughs> you have to it. stick with it. I got to stick with it. 400 yeah. people heard that, heard that take. <laughs> I got to stick with it. Yeah, so yeah, same old Cowboys, you know, let, let's get ready to watch them blow out Atlanta next week, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what we're saying after that, but yeah, yeah same, same old Cowboys. Um, <laughs> another team, oh, how's shit. this for <laughs> Oh man. Detroit Lions, up 23-6 to in the fourth quarter. I mean, we saw last year, they were up 24-6 to week one against the Arizona Cardinals, and they blow it, they tie. They can't do the same thing again, right? Wrong. Mitchell Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky of all quarterbacks has Mitch the greatest Trubisky. fourth quarter in NFL history. Like <laughs> of all people, yeah, Damn. eight eight for ten, eighty nine yards, three touchdowns. Bears win twenty seven to twenty three. And what is like the most incredible thing is as as great as Mitch Trubisky was, none of that should have even happened. Like it's incredible. Like just looking at what the Lions <laughs> did in that fourth <laughs> quarter. I mean, they so the it's twenty three to thirteen with eight minutes to go. And the Bears are they're driving. They're they're close. They have a third and thirteen in Detroit territory. They don't even need to pick up a first down here to be able to attempt a long field goal. And what happens? It's a twenty eight yard sack. Mitchell Trubisky's running around, hit, ball comes out, Chicago recovers, but it's fourth and forty one. They get a punt it. It's like, all right, that was cute. Nice try, Mitch. This one's over. What do the Lions do? They drive down the field. Adrian Peterson, two 14-yard runs. He can still go. Why did Washington get rid of him? He's he's uh, taking over for the young guns, Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift. Like Detroit, they're gonna they're gonna figure this out and they're gonna they're gonna walk away with this week one win. And uh, Matt Patricia, fourth and twelve from the thirty-seven. Now look, you're not gonna go for it here. But you're gonna try out a fifty-five-yard field goal with four minutes to go, even if he makes it. It's still a two-possession game. And, of course, Prater misses it. And now the Bears take over at midfield. They get to drive down again. It's 23-20 to 20 now. And it's just like, what is he doing? And, you know, just, just perfect. Like, Matthew Stafford, like, you know, God bless him because he has been in a horrible situation throughout his career in Detroit. He's, he's going to go down as, like, the all-time leading passer without a playoff victory in his career. I, I did not but, think very highly of him when he had Calvin Johnson because I just thought it was – his success was only because of him, but after he's been gone for so long, uh, I th- yeah, I I changing my mind on Stafford. You know, he, you he's know, carrying that team. He he is, but it's it's third down, two and a half minutes ago. You know, you want to pick up a first down, you want to ice the game. The one thing you can't do is throw turn the ball over. Yeah, and I know it was on a tipped pass, but like it's just another comedy of errors with the Lions. And now the Bears take over at the thirty-seven. And uh, it eventually leads to Mitchell Trubisky with a dime to Anthony Miller, uh, you know, right after the two-minute warning. Bears score. They're up by four. But guess what? They scored too early because the Lions driving right down the field. And uh, DeAndre Swift, what, oh, what a was rookie brutal. debut. <laughs> Dropping what? a game-winning touchdown in the end zone with six seconds left. And then the, the next Stafford pass falls incomplete. Game over. Bears win 27-23. to 23. 
same old lions. <laughs> I gotta tell you, uh, I've had a lot of bad takes on this on this show. I think picking the Lions to make the playoffs might be my all-time worst one, especially after that game. Blowing that lead and then driving down the field and then a wide-open touchdown gets dropped by DeAndre Swift. That uh, I mean, we all have overreactions, whether if it's good or bad takes. I got to tell you, I'm... I, I wish. I hope I can get a take annulment because <laughs> I'm not I, gonna fight you on that one. If you want to, uh, that you one, take that, that one, I think I would like to take the take annulment because they're not gonna make it after seeing that. <laughs> Just, I mean, I went on my whole spiel of like, oh, Stafford's gonna be healthy all year. This is Matt Patricia's last year to show that he can prove people wrong. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson could break out this year. They got re- good receivers. Added a lot of guys on defense. They they could. They can make the playoffs. I think I can see it. Oh, no, that they're not. They're not going anywhere this year. And did did you hear Matt Patricia after the game? About yes, I know. I'll, his coaching, I'll let you quote it. His coaching yep. miscues, or the reporter yep. asked them about it, and then he's In the like, fourth uh, quarter specifically. He's yeah. like, oh, I, I'm part of one of the, the the greatest play in NFL history. I don't know what you're talking about. Like <laughs> you, you idiot. <laughs> For you to say something like that after what just happened. Like I, I'm yeah, the, the Malcolm Butler interception oh, yeah, five cause, years ago. Cause you were, you, you calculated all that <laughs> to happen. <laughs> what a loser. Yeah. <laughs> they should, I would have uh, fired him on the spot. <laughs> it's, um, uh, so ESPN's Bill Barnwell did this like whole breakdown of like all the the best and worst quarterbacks from week one, and he 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 spent the whole like half of the paragraph about or not paragraph like the section about Mitchell Trubisky just ripping on the Lions, blowing that, and he he brought out the Matt Patricia quote, and he, he said something like, "That's like uh, you putting on like sixty pounds and not working out in it the last year and saying, yeah, but I ran a five k in twenty fifteen." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it, I, I would, I kind of want to make the prediction that Matt Patricia is going to be the first coach fired. Just at, no, seeing I, that, I'm, like, I said this last year. Yeah. That, <laughs> that I remember a long time, like a year ago, I said, what's, you were talking about, like, oh, what's your prediction for, like, this, one of my hot takes, like, Matt Patricia is going to be yeah. the first guy. He wasn't fired, but they went 3 12 and 1, and he's still uh, back. Just... Like, all right, like, this has to be the year now. I know. Like, I mean, they they blew five fourth quarter leads last year, and uh, you know to start off twenty twenty by blowing a seventeen point fourth quarter league, it's just you know, same old lions. I mean, to be fair, they didn't have Galladay, but I mean, it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> that. No, that's that, that's not the big deal. He was not the missing piece in that one. <laughs> Adrian Peterson ran for ninety three yards three days after signing with the team. You can't say that they were missing anything on offense. What a horrible debut for DeAndre Swift, though. Just, yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, that's going to stick in your mind forever. Yep. But all right, let's move on. Um, here's a here's a fun one for oh, us. Oh, this yes. this <laughs> this the, one I'm going to enjoy even more. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns, you know, in last season, all the hype, and they they uh, come out week one, lose to the Titans, forty three to thirteen, and never got back on track. And you know, there's some thought that maybe 2020, like, hey, the pressure is off. Everyone's talking about so many other teams. The Cleveland Browns can sneak up on people. What did they do? They go out and lose to the Ravens 38-6. to And Baker Mayfield 
dreadful. He sucks. He's yeah, so he's bad. So bad. And you know, I mean that that might be a take that you know we're we're both uh, pretty oh, yeah. good on. Like, I'm glad I was on that side of it. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he is just awful. Now we looking back at that draft. I mean, okay, so. Baker Mayfield was taken one, Saquon two, and Sam Darnold three. Sam Darnold also sucks, but I'd like to think that he has some prompts and he's just surrounded by crap, especially coaching-wise. But Baker Mayfield has all this talent around him. Got pretty good offensive line. Got uh, They picked up Hooper, Odell Landry, Chubb, Hunt. They got a new coaching coach to replace Freddie Kitchens, and he had pretty good success in Kevin Stefanski in uh, Minnesota. Like, what could what could go wrong but baker yeah he he's he's awful he is he is just dreadful and then he, he's out on the he, the progressive commercials again like what what is marketable about baker mayfield <laughs> it's i i don't know if it's true but i definitely saw a tweet that said he's been in more commercials than uh he has career wins oh i doubt i doubt it but i would love it i think if that's it, i think he has 18 career no seven he won seven games he didn't even win all seven of those games though i think he only uh no he probably no, did because right? they took were over for Tyrod first year they, they were oh and two or oh and one yeah. and he took over the first win i remember it was against the yeah, jets. against the yeah. jets okay yeah so i mean it, i i don't know i'm just doing quick math 13 wins i don't know if he's been in 14 progressive commercials but like honestly it feels like he's been in so many of them and it's incredible that after last season they're they're still uh going to him and he's still taking the time to do that because there's nothing interesting about him other than the fact that he sucks like what i don't know what's marketable about baker mayfield i'm sure i'm sure progressive will be like hey uh joe burrow what are you what are you doing and like and they'll bring him in next season yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And like uh, one one very fun thing from the Browns was that do you see that fake punt try they did? I did not they, know. Yeah, they had their punter run for it, uh Jamie Gillen who I mean it it seemed actually I don't even know if he's their punter. I feel like he's kind of like a uh what do you call him? Um Taysom Hill. He wore number 7. There's no Oh no, pun, I don't know. Whatever he is, he ran for it, tried to pick up a f- uh, first down. He just it seemed like he had it. And he just fumbles it, and the Ravens recover, and it's like, all right, that that was cute, like n- nice work. Guys. I know the I, I know the Ravens are good, but they, to lose that thirty, I yeah, know to lose that's that the thing badly, is like that's... how much of it is just like the Ravens are just like some super team because I mean, yeah, they they blew out the Dolphins last year, and we were saying, oh, but it's just Miami. Uh, you know, we're not saying, oh, but it's just Cleveland. Like the, this is a legitimate, just dominant win, or the Browns just totally sucked. And yeah, and I, I, yeah, and I think the Browns just sucked that bad. Yeah, I mean, it, thirty-eight to six. Like I don't care who. I mean, you're we playing. were talking. Like, about it's not the, a good start. We were talking about the Lions just recently. I mean, talk about two teams that are just never going to change. I know. No matter I what know. they do, no matter it's... what additions they make, they're just gonna suck all the time. As a Steelers fan, I love it. You know, it's one of those things where I was watching the game and I'm like, you know, what do I want to happen here? Because I, I didn't want. I wanted the Browns to look terrible, but I didn't want the Ravens to look amazing like they did. I mean, Lamar Jackson looks awesome still. Mark Andrews, like to me, I'm watching him. I'm like, why is he not discussed with you know Travis Kelsey? Because and- so Mark Andrews, he definitely. So like last year he didn't run as many routes as he wanted to because of like all the injuries he he's had, but this year he can definitely have a great season. Now they, that they traded, they got Hayden rid of Hurst. they traded Hayden Hurst, and so now it's really just him. As I mean, they I think they have uh, another backup tight end, yeah, Nick, Nick Boyle. Boyle. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like so he's not gonna hog targets from Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is gonna have a huge year this year. Now, yeah, is, two touchdowns. 
I don't know if he'll surpass Kelsey or Kittle for like best tight in the league or anything, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he opinion. will. He could definitely pass Zach Ertz. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Ravens, like I said, they, they're going to be the best and the most talented team in the league. They're going to go, you know, I, I hope not. I say this sticking to my pick is that they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, great, great start for Baltimore. They, uh, they face the Houston Texans next week. I'm hoping that Deshaun Watson can outduel Lamar and you know hand Baltimore a loss because those could be pretty hard to come by with their schedule this year. I, I think it'll be a lot like last year where Ravens dominate and Deshaun Watson will pick up a couple garbage time touchdowns. That's my I mean, prediction. It Just was a forty-one to seven last year. So he oh, didn't it was oh, it was only one garbage time <laughs> touchdown. I thought it was at least a no. little bit better, but wow, no, it was bad. Um, yeah. So uh, other Ohio team though. Cincinnati Bengals and like we we can make fun of the way that the Lions lost but isn't it even worse the way that Cincinnati did because Joe Burrow I know like he he didn't look he's he's amazing but he that was a really solid rookie debut there were times where he looked like a rookie but there were times where it's like yeah he's the real deal I I just I'm I'm a believer for sure and like the Lions, yeah, I mean, they dropped a touchdown in the end zone. AJ Green caught the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, and, and then he, he committed he, the penalty. He pushed off, yeah. Right. And it's one of those calls where, like, yeah, this is offensive pass interference by textbook, but that's not always called. There were plenty of plays, like, throughout the weekend where I was like, so that's not offensive pass interference, but that is. Like, like the Michael Gallup play, we didn't talk about that against I was, the Rams. Uh, I, like, that, I, was, I forgot that to bring that That was one up. where right. it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess that is, but, like, Jalen Ramsey did a great job of selling it. You know, how much did Casey Hayward do a great job of selling that one? regardless like you're like all right you know whatever like that sucks we're going overtime right <laughs> wrong randy bullock 31 yard field goal Did, misses he doesn't it. may or may not have pulled his hamstring while doing he doesn't it. look like a kicker no no he looks he's, he's a he big looks boy. huge <laughs> yeah. and i and i mean he hurt his hamstring on the kick like is that a coincidence the way he I, looks right i mean how much of that i was guarantee like he's just, just not in shape guarantee or, he's not in shape and just and, and and just it's just a mess. It's incredible. I've I've never seen that happen where a kicker immediately grabs their leg after missing a kick. Um that's why I'm like I feel like that's real. I don't know how much of that was causing the shank, but like you know, that that's just gonna be so demoralizing for the Bengals and their fans. I mean, especially Joe Burrow, like you're like, Yeah, we're we're gonna get this win, like I'm I'm gonna have this awesome debut, it's it's gonna be great. Uh, you know, I'm going to save this franchise and, and nope, same old Bengals. Talk but. about th- this is not the year of kickers, though. I mean, not no, just oh, that kick, but yeah, there are a start. lot of bad, like rough starts for kickers, like including uh, Goskowski. Simi Goskowski, yeah. yeah. There are many <laughs> others, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, just talking about Joe Burrow, though, like, yeah, he made some mistakes, but I, I think it was incredible how he had that just horrible shuffle pass interception to, to Melvin Ingram where it kind of was like, oh, God, yeah, like, that. what is Burrow doing? And then for him to come out and lead them on that drive, like, you know, if there's anyone who's going to save this franchise, it seems like Joe Burrow is going to be that guy. So, you know, I feel like you have to take away that silver lining, but still, like... <laughs> The Bengals, I mean, the, the Chargers aren't a great football team. Like, Terod Taylor in that offense, is it's not going to be what it, it could be. I think it's only a matter of time before a fellow rookie, Justin Herbert, gets a shot in L.A. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's just a brutal loss to the season. 
um, you know, to start the season. I'm a, I'm a believe I've said this many times already. I'm a believer in Joe Burrow, but for this particular season, I don't know how much I'm a believer. No, because, because I think I agree. You you talked about how like one of your under over under picks was Cincinnati under, Mm -hmm. uh, was it five and a half wins under five? Yeah. Five and a half wins. I think they're going to be a four. I think they'll, they'll be around that. Yeah. I, I don't expect the Bengals to do much this season. No, and you know when when they find ways to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, that that'll only help that bet even more. Um, that being said, Bengals Browns Thursday night football this week. You know it's possible that this game has already happened by the time that our listeners are listening to this one. Uh, but I think you know I know it's in Cleveland. I know that the Browns are a more talented team, but the Bengals, the Bengals and Joe Burrow like they got more momentum. Give me the Bengals too. Yeah, I I really like the Bengals in this one. Um, you know, it's it's like one of those tough ones for me, but you know, trying to decide who I want to win a game between two division rivals. But I uh, I really I really think that the Bengals, if they come out and win this, and that's that's the nail in the coffin on the Brown season, and maybe that's something that could could jumpstart Cincinnati to to kind of take over Cleveland's place as third place in the the AFC North. So, all right, before we wrap up NFL talk, let's get to our burning question. Which team should be most worried following their first game of the season? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go sure. with, so we talked about this before we came on, but I, I'll i go with the Eagles. Yeah, I think that, that, that loss to a team that's arguably the worst in football outside of maybe Jacksonville in the Washington football team, the Eagles, yeah, they they did not look good. Their O line is a mess um, with all the injuries that they have. Uh, Zach Ertz, there have been talks about him not w- having the commitment that he wants from the Eagles, and I mean, even though he and Goddard had a good game, that's still concerning. And then looking at wide receiver Jalen Rieger is already hurt. Alshon Jeffries hurt, and Deshaun Jackson's old, and. And Carson Wentz, it's, remember last year how like Carson Wentz kind of had really no one to throw to, but he still looked pretty good at the end. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know how sustainable that is if like guys are hurt and like everywhere on the he, offense. He didn't. He and didn't Miles look Sanders great is either. Miles Sanders is yeah. all, he didn't Already even play hurt. Week One. No, no, no. I mean, it, the Eagles. I, I think that they're a great answer here. You know, we knew the offensive line was going to have question marks when you lose your. Pro Bowl right guard and Brandon Brooks in the offseason. And then you lose uh, your your starting left tackle, Andre Dillard. You know, they signed Jason Peters to play right guard. They weren't even convinced on bringing him back. He's 38 years old. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting a pay raise to play left tackle. The Eagles offensive line, not great. And, you know, Washington, they have a sneaky pass rush. You know, bringing in Chase Young adds another element. Eight sacks in week one. That, that's not a great start for that Eagles offensive line. You mentioned the weapons. Dallas Goddard stepped up. He was huge. Eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Zach Ertz did catch a touchdown, but he only had three catches for 18 yards. Jalen Rieger had that big 55-yard catch early. That was it from him because he went down with an injury. It's it's a kind of a scary start for the Eagles, especially blowing a 17-0 lead and just giving up 27 unanswered to, to Washington. You know, I, I don't, I'm not as down on the, the, the football team as you are. Uh, I think that the way that I've always looked at Washington is they are a seven and nine football team. Some years, Kirk Cousins, Robert Griffin, just put it all together out of nowhere and lead them to the playoffs. Other years, it's just a dumpster fire like last year and they bought him out and go like three and 13, four and 12. 
I don't know that they're necessarily going seven and nine this year. We'll see where they go and finish. But, you know, regardless, the Eagles should be better than them. And I didn't actually say this. I, I wish that I did, but I, I don't think that, I didn't think going into the season that the Eagles are gonna be a playoff team and seeing their performance in week one, I, I'm not gonna change that. I don't know if I mean obviously I had the Cowboys winning the division, yeah. but outside of them in that division, I don't I don't know if I would have picked the Eagles to make the playoffs or not. I mean, obviously what if I did it would have been a wild card team, but I, yeah, I'm not super high on the Eagles this year. I mean they have good weapons, but I don't I don't know if they could squeak into the playoffs like last year again. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they could easily turn this around if the offensive line just gets better, you know, week to week playing together. But I I absolutely think that the Eagles are a fair team to be really worried about, you know, after uh, that week one showing. So my answer is another team who was upset in week one, and that is the defending NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm I'm high on the Cardinals this year. I, I think that they were a playoff team coming in. I didn't think that they would go in San Francisco and win, but I, I absolutely saw them putting up a fight, and you know they ultimately pulled it out. The reason why I'm really concerned about San Francisco is Jimmy Garoppolo. And the, the biggest thing that you kind of take away from that game, George Kittle was injured on a play where Jimmy threw a horribly high pass and that, that left him susceptible. Like, that is the reason why Kittle is hurt. Now Kittle, I mean, he came back in the second half. He didn't even get a target. He was he was barely healthy. And now he's probably not even going to play week two. Who knows when he's going to be back. To me, like, just having all that start week one, I think that's a reason to be worried. I'm not going to come out and say the 49ers are going to miss the playoffs. But if you look at the NFC West standings through one week, the Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals are all 1-0. And the 49ers are 0-1. NFC West is a best division in football yeah it's best i mean i think that's what most people say at this point and the fact that kyler murray came out played really strong in week one deandre hopkins phenomenal like he he's going to to continue to be one of the best receivers in football even in this this cardinals offense so yeah hopkins is obviously great and i'm I'm a fan of kyler i think he'll eventually break out into like he's already pretty good but i think he'll eventually whether it's this year or in later years he's going to be one of the best in the league but I, I did not expect him to be to have that good of a game week one versus on the road versus a good defense, and then Hopkins having fourteen catches, and I I, yeah. I I thought with him him going to the Cardinals, I thought for this season that they were gonna have chemistry issues, given that they haven't had a lot of time to practice because of COVID. But it, I mean, it didn't even matter. He had one of the best games of his career in his debut with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I yeah they look they look pretty good and I didn't think they made the playoffs I I would I would have guessed uh, which could still happen it's it's early but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs yeah but I uh, I wouldn't have had them out but I wouldn't be surprised so Richard Sherman we just placed on IR today with uh, an injury not a lot of people even realize he had and he's gonna miss at least three weeks with the new IR rules for this season you know I. I'm not totally giving up on the 49ers after this one game, but uh, I'm more worried in that team than uh, I expected to be, is is all I'm going to say. So luckily for them, the next two games are against the Jets and the Giants. So in theory, they should right the ship. I mean, even and, without uh, George Kittle. I, you I would think, think so. St- I, think I'm st- I think I would still take them, but yeah, maybe. If they lose if they lose either of those games, like, you know, then, then you really got to start to cause for panic concern, button. Yeah. Yep. All right, so that will wrap up our NFL talk. We'll, of course, be talking plenty of football throughout the season. 
uh, let's talk some NBA. You know, this is the first year that we've ever been able to talk NFL football and NBA playoffs at the same time. We're going to take advantage of that, especially because in the Eastern Conference Finals are Boston Celtics. They are four wins away from going to the NBA Finals, and the only bad thing about that is we should be saying three wins away because they blew a big fourth-quarter lead to Miami Heat, ended up losing in overtime. And uh, you know Jimmy Butler and uh, that Heat team is, is looking like they're going to be a big test. Uh, we saw how good they were against Indiana, Milwaukee, and... There's, there's not really a big reason to, to think that it'll be any any different at this point. Yeah, uh, the Heat have looked really good. They've only lost one game in, in the entire playoffs. So for them to, to do that with really only one true star on their team, it's, it's very impressive. And uh, I think it's going to be a really tough series. I'm still going to go with the Celtics in seven just because I'm a total homer. And I'm not a, an absolute homer. I, I mean, I think if the Celtics made it and it was versus the Lakers – I would pick the Lakers, so I'm not a 100% homer. But I think with the Celtics, I think it's going to be a really tough series because, I, one, uh, after this past game and, and game six and seven versus the Raptors, Kemba Walker has not been good at all. No. He's, he's been so bad. No, he's that, admitted that I, as well. In game six, he that the game that went to double overtime, he, went, he scored five points in 52 <laughs> yeah. minutes. I mean, put me out there. I think I could score five points in fifty-two minutes, even against NBA players. Five points in that in that much time—that's that is atrocious. And uh-huh. he is—he's been just awful. He's—I think he's shot like oh here it is three for twenty-two from three in the last three games. That, that is you. Yeah, they're not going to win good. if he can't no. improve his game at all. No, I, I agree with that. Like that's that that's not a not something that you're gonna need uh, with with Kemba Walker, especially for a team that you don't really can't really rely on a big man. And you know, against oh. the Heat, they have they have Bam Adebayo, but like it's it's a team that they they're also kind of similar where they have these like smaller lineups, and you just gotta get better. Yeah, you know, they're, they're like the they're ba- they're basically the Rockets if they don't have Tice in their lineup. If if yeah. they don't, I mean, I keep them saying this, but if they don't have Tice. Like if he were to ever get hurt, they're they're screwed because yeah. he's their only oh, yeah. true big man. I mean, Robert Williams, like yeah, he's time lord. He's it, that's it's great and all, but he isn't. It's 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 not working for him. Uh, or I, I mean, ten minutes at most, get a couple blocks. But other than that, I don't see him. I I haven't seen enough for me to be confident in him uh, becoming a a big piece uh, on their team. And then Ennis Kander is obviously useless at this point, and. I mean, I, I I think depth is super overrated in the playoffs, but who are the six, seven, and eight guys on the Celtics? Especially if Hayward is not is not playing. I mean, I mean Wanamaker, if you go at minutes played. Brad Wanamaker is the yeah. Wanamaker man. had a good game yesterday, but like, I mean, that's not going to happen every game. And then after no. him, it's like ten minutes of Williams and Ojale, and it's just I, I we were we were concerned about the bench last series. We we probably should be even more concerned about the bench in this series because the heat have a ton of depth they might not have a lot of stars but they they can go seven or eight deep and that's concerning especially if they can't get hayward back so i i i would i really want hayward to come back as soon as possible Mm -hmm. and and not and not start come off the bench play 20 minutes and run the second unit but has he had his kid yet that i don't know but i don't but what i heard what i heard though is that his his wife. Oh, is his gonna... wife's gonna be come to the bubble to give her. No, no, no. His wife. His <laughs> wife is gonna. <laughs> his wife is gonna have 
the birth like without Gordon, and he's gonna. Oh, stay okay. He's, yeah. Okay. For, that's okay. those are reports that I've heard. Yeah, I believe that. It, it kind of makes sense now. I know that that was his plan before was he was gonna leave, but uh, okay. I mean that that that's promising. They definitely need him back. Um, I mean. Uh, the Bam out of bio block of Jason Tatum was was incredible. Oh, it was it like, was all timer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I I was watching it in the living room, and you know, I'm like getting ready to cheer, and then no, and my uh my my roommate's girlfriend comes out like, why are you yelling like that? I was like, Tatum got blocked. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just like, oh man, like that that close, and that was a good. Pl- that it's was a totally good. different story if the Celtics win that game. I mean, yeah. I I'd, I'd feel way better. Like I, I'm like you, where I'm not jumping off. Like I still think that the Celtics should be able to win this, but Miami Heat are they're they've been totally blowing past my expectations for the past. You know, I mean, I technically but seven months i know there's a big gap in there but they, they've been they've been such a great team it's like this G- team G- to me has the best chemistry of anyone uh, oh, um, in yeah, the nba I, like no, that's I, the only explanation for how good they are oh i totally agree the players are bought into the system and they, they are yeah they're just bought in the system and jimmy butler who i've never really been a huge fan of like because he had his chemistry problems in yeah. chicago and minnesota and philly and it's just like on and on and it's like hey maybe the common denominator is you here but uh-huh. no but... he he's he's been awesome in miami and in the pat riley system and and the, the rest of the role players have been as well and He's taking his game to a new level. He he just competes his butt off. Like, I, I'll admit, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm oh, not a huge yeah. fan of him, but he, he tries com- so hard. Oh, he competes. Like, he, he's yep. he, he's nails. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't been a huge Jimmy Butler fan ever since he left um, Chicago. But you know, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, if you want to talk about a really bad heat uh, heat take, I had um, you know last summer when we did our um, like free agency like podcast together. Right. I said that uh, Jimmy Butler signing with the Heat was like Manny Machado going to San Diego. The, pa- the Padres. <laughs> yeah, which, which, I mean, honestly, the, I can, the Padres I, have been so good this year that, like, maybe I'm right, but, like, for not the reason why I said it would be. Like, I thought that the Heat would, you know, make the playoffs. It'd be kind of like this this fun team for him, whatever. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking so good, and the fact that they're most likely going to be adding a really big superstar either this offseason or the coming offseason – you know, this this is a team that's going to be pretty dangerous in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, a team that we – I don't know if they'll necessarily be, like, four straight finals appearances like they were with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, but they, they could certainly continue to make a lot of noise in the Eastern Conference and be, like, the top team sooner than later. As we're talking about the this series, so Jimmy Butler is clearly their closer. Who's the closer on the Celtics? Because the end of that game was so frustrating where mm-hmm. they're down by one, Marcus Smart gets fouled. In other words, he completely flops. So good for him. <laughs> and it's a tie game, and they get the last shot. But all they do is Kemba just holds it for ten seconds, gives it to Tatum, and it's just dribble, dribble. And I just knew he was going to throw up a, a thirty yeah. footer, low percentage shot. And I, I, I like Brad Stevens, but can you like draw to call the timeout or drop a play or whatever? Just do something. There's just so much iso ball down the stretch for the Celtics, and like it, it doesn't feel like that's the recipe for success with yeah, them. Yeah, and the Heat were really moving around on offense, mm-hmm. getting guys open and making the open shots, and just that game was super frustrating. And then, especially from a coaching standpoint, where I 
I feel like Brad really needs to gain more control and run more plays and not just have guys just shoot up uh, prayers. And Yeah, I know. I, I mean, know. it was one of those things. You knew that was going to happen. It's like, all right, he's just going to dribble it out and Tatum's going to fire it up. Maybe it'll go in. Right. Maybe it'll miss. And, you know, I'd say it's it's going to miss. I, I um, wish, this is going to sound stupid, but I wish that Marcus Smart flop slash foul did not happen because if a Tatum or Kemba or whomever was dribbling and they're down by one with 10, 20 seconds left, hey, we got we can get a two here and drive to the basket, maybe draw a foul or get a shot or whatever. But like, oh, hey, we're tied. Like, it, worst case scenario, we're just going to go to overtime, right? So I might as well just mm, yeah put up a put up a prayer and look flashy and hopefully have have the the moment but uh, no i I, I hated that i hated that last 23 24 seconds of Mm -hmm. uh, regulation there it's one of those things where like you you want to you i guess you would rather it go to overtime than find a way for the heat to come down and beat you but you know i mean i feel like that's the only way to avoid that is just kind of put up a, a mirror you know, I guess miracle type shot, but then, uh, the, uh, end of overtime, he got a super good look out of nowhere. Um, when it was like on the ground, it's like, then we get a shot off. And all of a sudden Tatum has a really good look for three to tie the game. It, it didn't fall there either. And the NBA admitted afterwards that should have been a travel, but yeah, either oh, way, it wouldn't was, have been, was, a, it wouldn't yeah. have been a travel in the moment. So no, no, it was close. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm with you though. And that I'm still optimistic about the Celtics team, but you know, I, I'm not going to, any more doubt how good the Miami Heat are. And I'm just going to say Boston needs to win game two, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens from there. So let's talk Western Conference. And uh, Lakers-Clippers, you ready for that in the Western Conference Finals? Huh? We've waited all year for it, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, wait a second. I'm looking here, and it says the Lakers are playing the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. How did that happen? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, that, that's why you play the games, right? Like, I... Clippers, like what a meltdown! You know, it's like at the same time, great for the Nuggets, first team ever to come back from three to one in the same postseason twice. But like, how? How? I I I just I can't wrap my head around the events of the the past few weeks because you know the Clippers, the whole story for them throughout the bubble was oh they're like this super talented team, they got all these great guys and they're gonna they're gonna win like they they have this awesome defense. Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard. We know how great he was last year at Toronto. Playoff P Paul George and they they just couldn't put it all together and they just totally collapsed against Denver. I mean back to back games they lose by double digits. It's not even like you know Denver. Is uh you know they're sneaking into it like the Clippers were up decently big and then all of a sudden Denver cuts it to at halftime and it it's just game over from there in the second half and uh yeah I mean I I'm I'm I was big on the Nuggets I I really do think that they're a, a strong team and uh, if they can beat the Clippers they could beat the Lakers but it it really feels like uh, we we got cheated out of a, a Lakers Clippers Western Conference Finals because the Clippers just incompetence oh yeah I I totally agree I mean. I mean, <laughs> I love that Paul George, he gave him, him, himself the nickname Playoff P, and Charles Barkley came on and said, calling you Playoff P, that's like calling me Championship Jimmy Chuck. Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. But no, I mean, how bad is it that we both, I mean, I, not not just us two, but I'm sure millions of other people, we both had the Bucks and the Clippers mm-hmm. in, the, in the title game, and they both lose in the second round. That is unbelievable. And yeah, I feel pretty cheated out of... Uh, 
a big Lakers Clippers Western Finals. But I mean, credit to the Nuggets though. They've like you said, they've come back down three one twice now, and we all we all know how great Nikola Jokic Nikola Jokic is. But how good is Jamal Murray? I mean, yeah, it's he has been. It's crazy when you look at his his game log. He's been so inconsistent in that he either scores like fifteen points or he scores forty. But whenever he's on his game, he is so good. Oh, he like, yeah. I mean, if if I were to go back to the twenty sixteen draft, and and I had the first pick, I honestly I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think I would take Jamal Murray first. Like, I, Who is, I think was he's, that Ben Simmons? Yeah, <laughs> and you yeah, know my opinion I mean, on Ben Simmons, so I would yeah. take Jamal Murray first. I'm not joking either. He he's, he has he's been awesome. awesome. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 optimistic about Denver moving forward because of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, you know, I mean, I think that adding a big man like Jokic uh, to go up against the Lakers gives them something that the Rockets clearly did not have. Which so is a big that, man, that, a guy, yeah, a right guy who's there. taller than six foot seven. <laughs> uh, it's it's incredible though, just watching Jokic and he like he doesn't look like he should be as good as he is. Like he does these just like crazy like awkward looking things, and right. then just drops this like beautiful step back shot, like fade away. And like how how he's is very, he doing? This? His his style is it's a little un- unorthodox, but he's he's the man too. Yeah, he's not very graceful. That's that's one way to put it. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Denver can do. Uh, you know, the, the history of the way these postseason has gone tells me that the Nuggets going to win game one and then the Lakers going to win three in a row. Next four games. Well, they're going to win the next three. And then either, you know, the Lakers pull off their third straight gentleman sweep or the Nuggets then win three in a row and come back from three to one down. If it's three to one Lakers and Nuggets win game five, you should put your entire bank account on Nuggets <laughs> in game six and seven. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, game five is it, game five is the decided game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, we already know what the first four games are going to look like. I know. I mean, I, I'm a person who loves to, to say predictions based on how things have actually gone, but I, I like the idea of saying that. Um, that being said, like, I... I still think that the Lakers are going to win this. I don't think it's going to be five games. I think it's going to be a six or seven game series. But I'm I'm very interested in seeing, uh, you know, if if Denver can actually pull that one off. If uh, you know Jokic and Murray still have a few tricks up their sleeve. You know, that being said, it, you can't really deny how great LeBron James and Anthony Davis have been when they've been on uh, in this bubble. And you know, in the playoffs, we've seen Anthony Davis struggle a little bit, and we've seen him just go off and totally dominate Portland and Houston. So uh, it'll be I'm interesting worried, going up against Jokic. I'm yeah. worried that Denver's eventually going to get gassed, and yeah, no, and I the Lakers are just up, just super rested. And they're I just thought gonna it was going to happen to them against Utah. I thought it was going to happen to them against the Clippers. So I'm not going to come out and say that it's it's only a matter of time before it happens because you know Denver keeps proving me wrong. They keep pulling off these comebacks. So. Uh, you know, I, I do kind of want to go back to the Clippers, though. I'm not, I'm not done with these guys. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking back, and like knowing what I know now, and realizing, like, why did we ever think that the Clippers were like this dominant team that was a surefire thing to go to the NBA Finals? I mean, because they have two of. Literally two of the best wing defenders in the all NBA, and and one of them being Kawhi Leonard, who 
is Kawhi argue- Leonard. He he came off this huge Toronto Raptors NBA championship. I know that's all we were we were riding high. We were prisoners in the moment. What happens if Kawhi Leonard misses that three pointer against the Sixers and then oh uh, they go the, to overtime and win <laughs> and lose? No. What happens if they lose? What happens if the Sixers win that? We're not saying the same thing about Kawhi when he goes to the Clippers. We're not saying it if the Bucks don't blow that two zero lead and totally choke. We're not saying if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson don't get hurt and Golden State wins that series like everyone knew they should have. It's just how everything had to come together so well for Kawhi Leonard. And the same thing with Playoff P. Like, it was a joke nickname three years ago, just like it is now. Like, when, when the Thunder were constantly going out in the first round and we were saying that they should break up that team before we ever considered Paul George going to the Clippers. And I, I'm just looking at back at it. I'm like, why did I think that the Clippers were this loaded team? Because after those two guys, yeah, Pat Beverly, he's this defensive animal, but he's not. he's nothing like super special like he's gonna take over a game you know you can say that same thing about a lot of their their role players like Montreal Harrell or you know Avika Zubac like Lou Williams is good Lou Williams yeah he's a solid six man and it felt like they had this really great roster but it it felt like it was way better than it really was and I'm I'm just like questioning myself after seeing what's happened like I you know I mean I just talked about with the heat that or in the the last series that I think depth can be really overrated. So after those two guys, it is kind of it is now now I'm looking back at it, it is kind of a drop off after Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, especially if Paul George is going to play like the way he did in the playoffs where he yeah, was just I mean game 7 Kawhi and George if they only go for 24 total, the Clippers don't stand a chance. You know, like the that's that's how much they meant to that team. And uh you know, I don't know if I'm I'm just looking like seeing what happened the last week and totally, uh, you know, dismissing everything that the Clippers did to get to this point. But they never really looked like throughout the season like this surefire like they are the best team in the NBA. The whole time it's like, oh, they have to be really good, right? They have Kawhi Leonard, they have Paul George. the The Clippers are gonna be the best team. They're gonna win it all in the end. It doesn't matter what they're doing, and we never got that from them. And now. You know, there's all this talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. What's going to happen with him? Are the Bucks going to trade him? Like, is he going to want out of Milwaukee? Kawhi and Paul George both have player options next year, just like Giannis. They could be gone as well. They could be gone. And, like, we need to talk about that. Like, what do you do with the Clippers? Like, do you bring it back after seeing what happened? You're like, ah, it's just a bubble. Like, you know, the, the season was broken up. It, we need to bring back Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together. Because, like, you know, how do you bring back Paul George after seeing what has happened? And, oh, like, I don't know. <laughs> that he is, he is going to be the, the number two guy you need to win a title. Because it, it didn't happen in Oklahoma City. And it, it's, I don't know that it's going mean, to happen with the Clippers. I mean, gun to my head, like, I would – Bring, I would say bring it back, and it was a lot of it was because of the bubble. I mean, they didn't really show that they were this dominant team, like basically ever in the playoffs. I mean, they had no. a, they had that one dominant win versus uh, I think it was Dallas, where they they won by like yeah after, they won after by like 40, 40 after, points or something. Yeah, like but, after the Luca game winner, right? But yeah, the <laughs> that's that's just super disappointing to not ma- not even make it to the West Finals because if they lose to the Lakers, there's no shame in that. No, but and, not and even not, getting there. Like, I'll admit it's, it's sort of disrespecting the Nuggets. But it's but, it's not it's still, at the same time because like it was clear that like the Nuggets were the third best team in the West. It's Lakers, Clippers, and everybody else, and a few teams that are you know going at it. But like, come on now, none of them are going to pull off these victories, and they did it. And it, 
and the the fact that the Clippers were so bad in their losses. Anyway, I'm gonna leave us. Let's move on, but I'm gonna leave us with this one last statistic. So since Doc Rivers dipped out on the Celtics because he didn't want to be a part of the rebuild. The Celtics have been to three conf- Eastern Conference Finals. The Clippers have been to zero Western Conference Finals. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really occur to me. I saw that stat today, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So, anyway, let's uh, let's get ready to wrap this up with our top five. And uh, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. To yesterday was my 25th birthday, September 15th. You know, if you're if you're listening, it definitely wasn't yesterday because this won't be coming out until Thursday. But uh, regardless, you know, I just celebrated my birthday and got me thinking we want to do a top five and uh, let's do our top five favorite celebrities and historical figures who share a birthday with us. Uh, you know, this is a more difficult list than I thought, but let's get into it. Today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so Brian, I'll, I'll lead us off here with my number five, and uh, I'm going to come out and say that I, I definitely have a lot of honorable mentions. There are a few that, if we were just doing straight up most famous people would make it, but we're, this is a personalized list, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get into this with my rhyme and reason. And uh, number five, Meghan Markle's husband, Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the royal family. I do remember watching their wedding just because I was like, I need to watch this just because, right? And I thought it was super boring. I was like, this is not fun. Why would people spend hours of their morning, wake up early on a Saturday to watch this in the U.S.? Anyway, Prince Harry has redeemed himself in my eyes by leaving the royal family. I just think that's an awesome move, marrying an American and be like, all right, yeah, we don't want to be part of this. We're going to the U.S. We'll go live in L.A. We'll just be you know, U.S. celebrities instead of U.K. celebrities. So big fan of Prince Harry. Uh, September 15th, 1984. That's why he comes in as my number five. So like you said, I went with a personalized list and I'll admit it's mostly sports people because I like sports. And in terms of other celebrities like singers or actors or other historical figures, I could not find anyone. And if it was if it was a most famous top five list for my birthday, Joel Osteen would probably be at the top of my list. And I gotta tell you, he's nowhere near my top five. I will just <laughs> I just gotta say that. that <laughs> Throw out uh, your birthday real quickly before so Mar- people know. So my birthday is March fifth. Yeah, and so you, you can look it up and you know see if your list would be different. I personally was like, ah, I don't know, Brian, I can't help you out with this one. Yeah, that it, I had a tough time with my birthday, I'll admit. Uh, but I'll get started with my list. So for my number five, I went with Michael Irvin, who is a fa- former uh, Dallas Cowboys tight end. The Dallas Cowboys could definitely use him right now. Wide receiver, the, right? Or wide receiver, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I don't know why I said tight end. F- former uh, Cowboys wide receiver, who they could still use right now. Uh, given that Cowboys didn't win this past Sunday and they lost Blake Jarwin uh, for the rest of the season, and, but any but either way, he was a great tight end when he was in Dallas. And another thing I like about Michael Irvin is that he was in the movie The Longest Yard with okay. the Adam Sandler movie, yep. where they had the prison football team, and he was he even though he's not an actor whatsoever, and he was a football player, he I he was awesome awesome character in that movie. And does a decent job on NFL Network. Uh, I, I I like I like uh, William McGinnis and Kurt Warner a little bit more, but he still does a fine job on that channel. So I went with him at number five. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm indifferent to Michael Irvin. He probably wouldn't make my top five. I'll but, admit, uh, this is didn't have I, a whole lot of I struggled. Choices. I struggled. <laughs> like, he, he's number five for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my number four is Jason Terry. And uh, Jet did play for the Celtics for like a year or two. But my biggest reason for putting him on this list is for things that happened with other teams. First and foremost, he was a key member of the 2011 Dallas Mavericks team that upset the Miami Heat and their big three in the NBA Finals. I hated that Heat team. So every Mavericks player on that roster is always going to hold a special place in my heart, uh, Jason Terry being one of them. And arguably, more importantly, Jason Terry was involved in one of the best trades in Celtics history because the Celtics traded him along with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to the Brooklyn Nets in a trade that wound up bringing back three first-round picks to Boston, uh, including a pick swap as well, which helped the Celtics land Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving didn't work out as well, but Who Brown and Brooklyn? Tatum, yeah, <laughs> Brown and Tatum are certainly a big reason why the Celtics are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals now. So thank you, Jason Terry, for being just that you know one last little piece to add to go there to make sure that all of the uh, the rewards that came back to Boston happened. Yeah, I love that pick. I wish he shared a birthday with me, but he doesn't. Uh, so for my number four, four, I went with Paul Konerko, who is a former. Chicago White Sox first baseman, and he was always a key on my one of my fantasy teams when I was nine and ten years old, and I I was a big fan of him with how good of a power hitter he was and g- getting on base and g- good fielder, and he was definitely a key to that 2005 Chicago White Sox team and helping him win a World Series, and I was a fan of the guy. I wish he was on the Red Sox, but. The Red Sox definitely had other great first basemen, so I can't complain too much. So he was my number four. Yeah, he he was a fun player to root for. I mean, if I had to pick a Chicago team, I would go with the White Sox over the Cubs. You know, I I think it's it's cool what what Canerco did for that team. So that's that's a fair one. Uh, number three, the 27th President of the United States, William Howard Taft, 1857. Uh, I can tell you right now, he's the oldest guy on any of our lists, uh, but historical no. figures is an option. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about his presidential policies. I thought about kind of Googling just to throw them out there and I can sound smart, but I was like, I don't really care enough. The reason why I put Taft on here Partially, he was a big dude. He was uh, the largest president ever. There's a story that supposedly is is not true, even though I, I kind of uh, wish it was. That's what, what I was him, about to in, ask. In the bathtub, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask he, if, he got he, stuck if in that bathtub. story is true or not, where he got stuck no. in the bathtub. I, I According to Wikipedia, it's not true. It's just an urban legend. You know, maybe maybe it really is. And he was just like, no, no, I got to tell people that's a lie. And, uh, you know, we're still, well, still preserving that to this day. But regardless, another story that... Um, I want to say is true is uh, well, I should say this is definitely true. Um, he was the inventor of the seventh inning stretch when uh, attending a 1910 opening day, Washington centers baseball game. He just happened to stand up in the seventh inning cause he's a big dude and he needed to stretch out a little after uh, sitting all game. And because he was the president of the United States, the rest of the crowd decided to stand up as well. And now Every baseball game in the seventh inning, we sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" while standing up and stretching. He's the inventor of the seventh inning stretch. 
It's a popular story. Yeah, I'm, I'm that's gonna go, another one where like I'm gonna go with that one is the myth, and the bathtub <laughs> one is the true that, story. I mean, that actually happened. Um, I actually read in the 1889 World Series, which I didn't know that they called it the World Series before the real first World Series in 1903. Anyway, that was something that like the seventh inning stretch happened then that the fans decided to stretch during the seventh inning of one of the games, uh, but. I mean, I, I I like to say William Howard Taft was the one who invented that. So I'll 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 say at least one of those two stories is true. Yeah, I will as well. But the bathtub. <laughs> um. So for my number three, I went with Wally Zerviak, who was a former guard for the Timberwolves and also the Celtics and a few other teams, uh, uh, Seattle SuperSonics as well. And I'm I'm probably forgetting a couple other teams, right? Or is that yeah, it? Yeah, he was traded to Seattle for Ray Allen. Right. So I, that's what I was just about to mention. You talked about greatest Celtics trades ever. Uh, number one, might not even be the one you talked about. The number one trade was the Kevin Garnett trade. With, uh, He's with, in greatest ever, a greatest of our lifetime. Okay, greatest of our lifetime. The, the Robert Parrish trade. Right, is, right. Is greatest of our lifetime. Like, I'll, I'll pause there. Okay. Yeah, greatest of our lifetime. Number The second best trade is the one you talked about, but the third best trade is the Ray Allen trade, where they traded uh, Delonte West, Zerbiak. Wally Zerbiak. And Jeff Green. Jeff Green, right. Thank you. And, I mean, even before the trade, I was a fan of the guy. He was a great player. Or not great player, but a very solid player for those teams, including the Celtics. And even when he was here, I liked him. And when he got traded, I'm, I was glad he was part of that trade because we got Ray Allen uh, back in the yeah. deal and, <laughs> and helped uh, win, a, win the championship that year. I was very insistent on getting a Wally Zerbiak jersey as a kid. My dad was like, no, he's going to get traded. I was like, no, I want Wally Zerbiak. And uh, (laughs) I eventually was able to buy it. And then uh, so our, well, not our, your senior year English teacher, Nate Maserol, Coach Maz, he was the the head basketball coach of uh, our our, uh, high school team. And he used to run a youth basketball camp every summer. And I used to go every summer as a kid. And one of my traditions was I would always wear an NBA jersey, usually a Celtics jersey, on like the Friday because it was a week long camp. It was just like, you know, end of the week. And my plan the whole week was wear a Wally Zerbiak jersey. And I, I still wore it the day after he was drafted. And Coach Maz was like pointing out all the jerseys. He's like, it was a Wally Zerbiak jersey, which is worth about 32 cents. <laughs> he's not in the Celtics anymore. That's, that's what I always think about with Zerbiak. But it's like one of those things where like I loved him as a Celtic, but like I loved even more that he was part of the trade that got Ray Allen to the Celtics because I loved Ray oh. Allen. Helped him win oh, a championship. I, so I, I didn't have a Wally Zerbiak jersey. I had a Ray Allen jersey. So <laughs> I, I, I had both. I definitely like Wally Zerbiak more for being just for being in the trade than, yep. than being here. No, that's that's fair. Um, anyway, so my number two, um, Agatha Christie, eighteen ninety, another throwback. Uh, did you ever read the book? And then there were none in high school. And that doesn't sound this has been sophomore even year. if I did <laughs> I didn't See, read books <laughs> I really okay I really love that book I was that was sophomore year of high school um, so Agatha Christie she's the uh, best-selling fiction writer of all time she sold over two billion copies of her books and then there were none was like a hundred million alone so she uh She's very much the most, well, either her or Taft are the most famous person born on my birthday. Uh, but Agatha Christie, I, I really love her because of that book. And then there were none. That was one of my favorite books that I ever read in all of high school. 
And the biggest reason why is because I was a big fan of the TV show Survivor and the book, and then there were none really reminding me of that. But this was a murder mystery novel, so it's a very twisted version of Survivor because uh, they were literally trying to survive. But I, I, I was a huge fan of that one, and um, you know, I gotta gotta give uh, Agatha Christie some respect here as number two on my top five. All right. Uh, so for my number two, I went with someone I think many people would know and is not an athlete. Uh, I went with Eva Mendez as my number two choice and very attractive, of course, but not only that, but she's been in some movies that I enjoyed and particularly my favorite one that she starred in. I don't know if I had this in my top five for romantic comedies, but I'm a big fan of the movie Hitch stars her and will okay. smith yeah yeah yep. so that's one of i should i probably i regret not putting that in my top five because that because that is one of my it's favorite one. comedies up there with crazy stupid love and wedding crashers i i, I liked her a lot her character wedding a lot crashers is not a romantic comedy I, anyway. yeah it is yeah we talked about that anyway. last time i think it is but uh i enjoyed her in that movie and uh or some other movies uh the other guys the other guys i that's what i was about to say i yeah it's a little overrated but Hey, she I love it. the other guys. You I watched that, that movie. Yeah, I watched it during the the you know quarantine earlier. Um, I I think that <laughs> it's a hilarious role that she's in with like Will Ferrell's character, just totally denying that she's attractive. <laughs> right. Like. <they're laughs> <laughs> um, so did I? I do have a question. So I know one of your popular things to do when you get your hair cut is ask if they can make you look like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, is Eva <laughs> Mendes the reason why? Because you're like, if you look like Ryan Gosling, maybe she'll leave him and hey, <laughs> marry yeah. a younger version. Exactly. That's exactly where I was gonna go. Yep. I I do I do I <laughs> I have said that a few times <laughs> to the people who come yeah. in here. Can you make me look like Ryan Gosling? Probably not. No, nope. <laughs> I don't come close. But <laughs> I'll do what I can. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that is a good point yeah because if yeah. i look like him then yeah i would end up with someone who looks like her or her so yeah there you go so yeah so. she's my number two choice all right i'll uh wrap up my top five with my number one and uh this is a guy i didn't even have to look up to know that i share a birthday with him he is the guy who i consider the most talented quarterback in nfl history Miami Dolphins legend Dan Marino. Uh, he was setting all these passing records decades before guys like Peyton Manning and Brett Favre came in and broke them. Uh, Marino just like a, a star with Miami, and it's it's such a shame that the Dolphins were never able to put a, a you know Super Bowl caliber offense around him, uh, and that he'll always go down as one of the best to never win a championship. Uh, my dad grew up a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, you know, the horrible mismanagement of that organization has definitely driven him more toward the Steelers, but uh, he's a huge Dolphins fan and a huge Chicago Bulls fan. So my middle name is Jeffrey after Michael Jeffrey Jordan, and I think it's really cool that I share the same birthday with Dan Marino because Jordan and Marino are two of his all-time favorite athletes. So, uh, you know, it's another reason for me to throw Marino at number one. That's cool. That's a cool story. Uh, so for my number one, I went with an <laughs> arguably better athlete, right? <laughs> I went with Mason Plumley as my number one choice. I didn't have to look up him for to know that he shares a birthday with me. He's the man. Uh, he he was great at Duke, which I'm sure you're not a fan of, but yeah, no. He's he played with the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm sure you remember that one game 
where they were playing the Heat, and there were seconds left on the clock, and LeBron goes for a dunk just like Jason Tatum, goes for the dunk, <laughs> and Mason Plumlee pulls off the buzzer-beating dunk. <laughs> He's the LeBron stopper. He's going to be the key to the series in the Nuggets-Lakers series. Yeah. You watch. <laughs> He'll play his average seven minutes and get a... And, pull off some key defensive stops and uh, he's just the man <laughs> even though he's yeah not, i mean <laughs> he's not the i admit he's not the greatest basketball player but he's one of the reasons why i'm kind of on the nuggets bandwagon i'll admit <laughs> yeah i mean i i did not love the uh the Plumley brothers in at duke but i don't really have a problem with mason are him and miles twins Oh, no, no, definitely. I don't, I don't no, think they're not. so. Okay. I don't know. I, was, I don't know if you could throw them on. Mason definitely is a better Plumlee brother, um, especially in the NBA. But yeah, that's fun. I mean, hey, what a what a great birthday for him this year because he got to celebrate a Game 7 victory uh, over the Clippers. Right, yeah. And uh, same as I, I did put down some... Oh, wait, no. I, I, that's no, that's, okay. that's I was, not true I was, at all. I was going to say, I have, I have some honorable mentions. Michael Malone is one of them. Um, on you know who has the the same birthday September fifteenth as me, so he celebrated he celebrates, yeah, yeah. game seven victory on his birthday. And if he beats the Lakers, he'll he'll be on my top five. Sorry, sorry, Prince Harry, you're, you're getting booted. Michael Malone is getting in there. Uh, I do have some honorable mentions. I do want to throw out though um, another one that I've known about since I was a kid, Gaylord Perry. Uh, you know, I think he is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Hall of Fame pitcher, yeah. I collect. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've collected. Uh, Hall of Fame baseball cards, and yeah, I had, I, I had, I had more his have baseball him, and he was one. Yeah, I know. I I I couldn't justify putting him on the list, knowing that you know the biggest reason why he would be a popular choice is just because of his name. Uh, but I mean, he was this, he was this fantastic pitcher. Um, I did have his baseball card as well. That's one that I've known my whole life. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, he would certainly be up there if it was top five most famous. I haven't watched a lot of uh, Tommy Lee Jones I movies though. If, if I had your birthday, I would have put him in top five. I yeah, I, like him I mean, as an if actor. I was a little and older, like, he, he was great in The Fugitive, and then he was also great in Men in the Men in Black movies. As yeah, well. I never really saw the Men in Black movies, and I definitely didn't see The Fugitive. So like, I I couldn't just oh, those are putting great him movies. on there. The, the, fu- the f- have you so you never seen The Fugitive? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, yeah, I would definitely recommend watching the movie. That's a terrific movie, and I'm not going to okay. give any details whatsoever. I would, I would just say watch yeah. that movie. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe that'll get uh Tommy Lee Jones onto my my top five. Um, Pete Carroll left off for obvious reasons. <laughs> you know, as as you will say, the the orchestrator of the greatest mistake in the history of the world. You know, they they often call the sinking of the RMS Titanic the. Uh, Seahawks passing the ball and the goal line in the Super Bowl of North Atlantic Maritime disasters. Uh, would so, yeah, I put? Would I put him on? I don't know if would I put him on my on my list because he he obviously helped uh, the Patriots get a super one of the Super Bowls that they had. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if, I'm not, I'm not really a fan. Your list of isn't special the, enough that I feel like he could make the cut. Um, yeah. He beat the Steelers on on his birthday last year, uh, the same day that Ben got hurt. Um, and then there's two others, Patrick Marlowe, um, longtime San Jose Shark, who the Penguins traded for, hoping to get him a cup. Did not work out very well, so I, I have no reason to include him on my top five. And then YouTuber Jenna Marbles. Uh, I did kind of enjoy her videos way back in the day. Kind of forgot she existed for a while until uh, she she was a victim of cancel culture by canceling herself and uh, you know quitting YouTube and quitting all the, the content she did when there were some old videos and stuff that came out of her. So... You know, 
that that made a lot of people sad when she left. But uh, I know you said there are a bunch of YouTubers that share birthdays. There were a you. bunch of uh, random uh, YouTube guys that share my birthday that I've never heard of. One honorable mention Who? that I'll yeah. Well, I've never heard of any, but like, okay. <laughs> but one, but one honorable mention that I'll have for my my birthday on March fifth. Uh, do you remember? So the guy's name is I can't even pronounce his name, but I'll try to pronounce his best again. Asif Manvi. Uh, so do you remember? So we've gone to the movies several times with friends. Do you remember the the internship, the Google movie with uh, yeah Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn? So do you remember yep. the the Indian guy who was like the head of the some department at Google? Yes, yeah, that running the internship. Yeah, I so he his birthday is on March fifth, oh, and okay. and. He was good in that movie, and he was also good in uh, the proposal. He only had like a few minute role in that movie, but he, he yeah. was good in that role in that movie. And he he also used to be on Taco Bell commercials um, way back yeah, when. Yeah, I like I I remember but, him from the internship. But yeah, That's the internship is his, at least in my opinion is his, is his best role. Um, but, so the fact that you remember him in that movie. That helps. Yeah. So I mean, that's you could have thrown him in your top five. I yeah. feel like he he could have made the cut over Michael Irvin, but yeah, I kind of regret okay. that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll wrap things up for our top five. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be coming with more NFL and NBA talk in the coming weeks. Real quickly, U.S. Open this weekend. Who you got? John Rom. Yeah. Oh, John Rom. Oh, right. John Rom. He's oh, is he he's... world number one? So. I think he recently that I don't know because it's it's so it's cha- no it's it Dustin it's Dustin jo- it's got to be Dustin Johnson is, he, he just, just won, won the, the he just yeah. won the FedEx Cup yeah so, but John Rom had it for like a short time and yeah I love I love him this week I think he's 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 been dominating on the hardest courses this year uh, he had a uh, a win at the Memorial Championship and BMW Championship where those are the two cha- uh, tournaments this year where the winners were single digit scores. So he's yeah. clearly a guy who single uh, digit as in under par. Yeah, under 10 worse worse than 10 under. So like Yeah, cuz I mean they've been So like 4 so under, 6 like, under or whatever. Yeah. And short like, you know, like low or high low scoring. High scoring. It's golf. <laughs> right, yeah, that's low true. scoring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> high high scoring above par, low exactly. low scoring total. Right. Yeah. And he he's one of the guys that's knocking on the door on a major and I I think he's I think he's the guy that I'm picking this week. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, winged foot. Like you're talking about hard courses. This is this is one of the harder courses. And USGA said they're gonna try to make it a little easier, but like not really. Uh, yeah. Um, Jeff Ogilvie won at I think it was five over par. Plus five. Yeah. Five yeah. Over, I wow. think that was the last time in like 2006. Absurd. Only uh, Fuzzy Zoller and Greg Norman have ever posted 72 hole scores under par. Um, and. They both shot four under in 1984 with Zoller winning in a playoff. This sounds so. like this sounds like hell. <laughs> yeah, I know. Course. So I don't know who's gonna win uh, for real, but I'm gonna tell you the course is gonna win. The, the, <laughs> whoever wins is gonna be that, shooting plus one. That, or, that, or that is a good point. Like I, I'm picking John Run, but he'll probably shoot like four like over a plus three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's gonna be a tough test. I think uh, you know after how all the other tournaments are going, they they the PGA needs, they need wing foot to, to come up. And like, honestly, like the U S open is so fun because it, it's kind of like a relatable course, just seeing guys just totally like frustrated out there and shooting like, you know, plus 10 plus 15. And as someone that is a fan of the PGA tour, I prefer, I prefer golfers having to grind out for a win way more yeah. than bird. I hate birdie I agree. Fest 
went Dustin yep. Johnson at the I think it was Northern Trust in Boston or Norton to be exact, but TPC Boston. He shot thirty under par. <laughs> that's it's like that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't I hate tournaments like that. I want to see guys I mean this might be a little extreme in terms of a uh, bogey fest. Like I, I, I want there to be a happy medium, but either mm-hmm. if it was between a birdie fest or players having to grind out for a win, I'd prefer that the latter so much more. So I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to enjoy it. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I mean, if I had to throw somebody out there, ah, John Rom feels like a good pick. I mean, Brooks uh, Kepka's out. Yeah. Tiger's not winning. Tiger no. isn't making the cut. Yeah. Like, uh, he might make the cut, but I'm I'm not super high on. I, yeah, when maybe Mas- Justin Masters Johnson. in November, I mean, yeah, I'll I see, mean that we'll see him contend. I'll, there, I'll take but, him to win the Masters. I'm not taking to win the U.S. But, Open. But uh, <laughs> a couple guys I'll mention: uh, Xander Shoffley. He's he's another guy, a young talented guy who's needing needs a first major. Uh, yeah. Tony Finau is another guy who who's a bomber as well that also needs a first major and i he's he's been knocking on the door he's a he's great in majors he doesn't he never wins ever but he mm-hmm. gu- guaranteed top 10 all the time so i think he'll contend again which is not Maybe a super hot take Gary Woodland goes back to back he hasn't been a, he hasn't been as good this year and and so i'm not i don't love his chances i'm sure he can make the cut and maybe finish like T40 or whatever but yeah he hasn't had as, as good of a year as as last year when he won the US Open. Justin Thomas thinks it'll be fun playing on this challenge. He's course, another he's he... another guy I can see contending which is not a hot take. He's like one of the best <laughs> one of yeah. the top 5 golfers in the world. But so yeah, my my pick is John Rahm, but the couple of other guys I I mentioned I think can contend as well. All right, and then uh, you were adamant about not talking Stanley Cup playoffs. So... We already know the <laughs> Dallas Stars are in it. You know, See, you know what's crazy? So, I picked Tampa to win it all. Uh, yep. This in the in my bracket when the playoffs started, and that definitely could still happen. When you go back to the NHL preview that we had, I picked the Dallas Stars to make the Stanley Cup. Like so, in August? Yeah, or October? no, no. So like when we did a Stanley Cup preview, like November or October yeah, of last year. October. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So like the beginning of the season, I picked the Dallas Stars to make the yeah. Stanley Cup, and I'm like, I don't remember you doing that. Yeah, right? I actually said that. I said they'd lose. Uh, yeah, but I was I was higher on them to begin the year than to begin the bubbles year, uh-huh. the bubble playoffs, and they they've been just grinding out wins. I think I, know. I don't know if well, this is true, but I think they've given up more goals and shots than they've gotten or attempted, and they're still winning these games and. A lot of that credit obviously goes to Anton Udobin, who was a former Bruins goalie. Yep. Uh, they're well, just they, grinding they, out wins. That, that's they all they I can were winning say. like shootouts against uh, Calgary and Colorado, like super high scoring games. And against Vegas, they they never uh, scored more than like yeah, two or three goals just, in a game. I, I don't I don't understand it because they, they, so they haven't been really that great offensively until now. And mm-hmm. even this past series, yeah, they were just fine, but. They're getting wins. I don't know yeah. how to explain it, but they are. But if it's Tampa, Dallas, oh, I'm definitely taking Tampa. I mean, just because really? I, I, I think they it can would totally be choke. So though. poetic for the Lightning. It, like, it to would be. be this close to the finals and then blow a three to one lead to the. I Islanders. am not a Tampa Bay Lightning fan whatsoever. I'm just saying I'm super yeah. high in their town. Ta- I've been it's, it's, like I talked about earlier, where I picked the Saints for so many straight years. I picked the Lightning. Oh, so uh-huh. many straight years, and both teams have just choked 
chokes real bad. B- bad. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I keep saying this is the year. This is the year. And I, I, it still I can said, happen, but I would not be surprised at all if they just choke and blow it in, against the Islanders or Stars. Yeah, I said Tampa, Colorado going into the um, bubble. As did I. I said, I said Tampa over Vegas is kind of like what I'm rooting for, and Vegas would be my number two choice. And Dallas beat both Colorado and Vegas. And, you know, at this point, I'm 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 all in on the Stars finishing them off, whether it's Tampa or New York in the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't so. have a strong interest. I guess I would root for whoever. I played. mean, I don't really I would. I don't really care, but Dallas gonna win. if I were to make up a reason, I would pick whoever faces the Stars because the trade that the Bruins made uh, where they traded Tyler Sagan to the Stars for absolute crap if they won the Stanley Cup, that would just remind me of, oh, uh, they could have had Tyler <laughs> like Sagan. six years later. They could have had Tyler Sagan on their team when yeah. they'd be stacked. And But no, we got to trade him for crap and then just watch him win a Stanley Cup. So You know, it happens to the best organizations, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, that, that'll wrap it up. We'll, we'll be back, like I said, with, with more more sports for you. Uh, more top fives that aren't sports. Hopefully, Brian can come up with a list at one of these days that isn't totally sports themed. I'll try. I'll try. Yeah. All right. So for Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>